The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. What's going on, y'all? Welcome to another edition of Offense, Defense, and Discourse. My name is John Brown. On the phone with me this week, my co-host, Mr. Mike Jones. What's going on, JB? What is happening, brother? How are you? Oh, man, I'm good. You know, miss being in the studio with you, sitting there face-to-face. Always more fun when we can, but just because we're in different places, we can't let it stop us, you know? Still got a good show for the people this week. Now, you know the question of the evening, the question everybody wants to know, the question all around the world, have you had your chicken sandwich yet? Well, I have the Chick-fil-A sandwich pretty regularly. Okay. I've been a long fan of the Chick-fil-A sandwich. Yeah. I have not had the Popeye sandwich yet. Oh, boy. But but I actually saw a friend earlier. They walk in the building, sandwich in hand, saying they've been eating it for a while and it's delicious. They're wondering why everybody else is just catching up. Well, here's the thing. I will I will say this. I am a fan of chicken. As so, am I. So I don't need to choose between one or two. It, too often we get put in these situations where it's one or the other. It doesn't have to be one or the other if you're talking chicken. Now I will say this. I I enjoyed the Popeye's chicken sandwich. I enjoyed okay. it. I had it today, and as somebody had pointed out to me on my uh, on my radio show on phillygoflow.com, dot com, they felt like the cho- uh, the Popeyes chicken breast the, the the for their sandwich is bigger, considerably bigger than the Chick fil A sandwich. Hold on, no, no, no. See, that's a strong statement because Chick fil A gives you a healthy piece of chicken on yeah. the sandwich. Yeah, yeah, but he. He told me, and I will say this, he, he put it out there and he said, hey, man, this Popeye's chicken breast is huge. And that's the first thing you're going to notice when you when you break it out the wrapper. And I will say this, man, he was right on that. He was definitely right on that. That that Popeye's chicken sandwich is big and you're going to notice that it's big. It's a big, healthy sandwich. Now. My whole thing, what I had planned on doing, I was going to do the taste test. I was going to do the official taste test. Stopped at my local Popeye's, got my chicken sandwich, mm-hmm. and then I headed over to Chick-fil-A to get a chicken sandwich from them. The Popeye's line was pretty manageable. I got in, got out. You know, there were some cars in there, but, they, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. That Chick-fil-A line, though, was crazy. And I just drove right past. I'm like, you know what? Today just ain't going to be the day for a taste test. And and that's the funny thing. I've been seeing pictures, images of extremely long lines at Chick-fil-A and Popeye's all over the country. And it hit me. Beef sells chicken. Yeah. Have you been following Popeye's on on Twitter like this week? Oh, man. I was coming to that. I was definitely coming at one of the funniest things I saw, hands down, 
was for some reason in the midst of this discussion on Twitter, Wendy's decided they wanted to hop in. Wendy's wants to get in this conversation. Oh so Wendy's and tweets you knew, out. You knew that wasn't going to last long. You saw what you saw what Popeyes had been doing all day long. So when Wendy's jumped in, you knew it oh, wasn't going to end well. Did you see the Wendy's tweet? Wendy's tweet was, and, and I think I have this word for word, these fools are out here arguing about who has the second best chicken sandwich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At which point, Popeyes, and I thought this was a, a very high-quality response, says, you must have eaten one of our biscuits because you sound thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> I was cracking up. Oh, my goodness. Look, Popeye's social media team earned their money this week. They, you know, they're the player of the week. They're the MVP. Oh, yeah. I, you know, my, my hat's off to them. But I will say, Pope, I will say this, man. Popeye's is Tupac. What'd you say? I said Popeye's is Tupac. Chick-fil-A is Biggie. So you can't go wrong. What you say is either or. There, there's going to be people on either side, but there's really no wrong answer when you take exactly. a Biggie versus Pot. And, and a Biggie versus Pot. Beef sells records. Beef sells chicken. Exactly. 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 Now, I will say this. Look, and I got my Popeye's chicken sandwich today. Mm-hmm. And I was truly battling gluttony because I really thought about going back to Popeye's and getting another one today. <laughs> I did not. But I, I but I was sitting at I was sitting at home giving honest contemplation. Like, you know what? I could go. I could, I could get another one right now. So, so the ch- Popeyes chicken sandwich does get the JB yes. stamp of approval. Y- yes, it does. Yes, it does. I am not yet at the point where I'm saying which one is better. I'm not even sure if I want to say which one is better. I'll just keep eating them both. But right now, I'm saying that the sandwich itself gets the, gets the John Brown seal of approval. Gets two oh. thumbs up from me. All right. So it's not a, a recommendation one over the other. No, no, just just eat some. You know. They are both quality sandwiches. Yes, because I, you know, I I enjoy Chick Fil A. I'm not going to sit here and disparage Chick Fil A. There'll be no Chick Fil A slander coming from me. Oh man, we're not bashing Chick Fil A. Yeah, no, we're no, not doing that no, at all. I'm a fan. No, no, not not at all. Chick Fil A's chicken sandwich is not a bad sandwich, but that Popeyes kind of hit different today, man. <laughs> I will say that the Popeyes hit different today, but look, it's a good thing. And I, I don't. Mind, I, and once again, that out. I, I don't mind starting a show talking about chicken. There's a good chance. Oh uh, man, we can talk about food any chance you want. Oh, exactly, exactly, exactly. But there is sports to talk about this week. Oh man, there's beef and sports too. Man. Oh yeah, there's beef and sports too. Speaking of beef, you man and. You man, AB's got some beef with it. With some, with his new team, I haven't even played a game for them yet, and he's beefing with them. I know you wanted to start here. What's your thoughts on your man, AB? What's your man doing out there? Well, you know, what? Well, first of all, everyone knows how I feel about diva receivers. Yes, I don't. I don't think you need them. I don't think you you win with them. And AB, while he has a winning track record in the NFL, the more he's accomplished, 
the more money he's made, mm-hmm. the more statistics he's put up, the more of a monster, it seems, has been created. And it's gotten to a point now where he, for all intents and purposes, seems to only be concerned with A.B. If A.B.'s not happy, nobody's happy. So with A.B., this, this, this whole helmet thing, it's like, and yeah, because we're not going to really even get into the whole cryotherapy thing with the feet. Yeah, that is what it is. You didn't look into the proper equipment or whatever the f- shoes you're supposed to have on, I guess. But the helmet thing, the helmet thing, I, I it, it seems like too much for me. And Mike Patton, who was on with us a couple weeks ago, he wrote a nice article. I don't want to say defending AB, but more so lending some validity to the point that if this is truly a safety concern that you know we we might want to separate Antonio Brown's history from this current action and take this incident this whatever we want to call it in isolation and that's hard for me to do it's hard for me to not consider the source anytime I hear something, you know? Yeah, I do. I, I hear what you're saying, and I feel like, to your to your point, A.B. makes it hard to empathize because sometimes, even in his gripes, the way he goes about it makes it hard to empathize and hard for someone who is not necessarily an A.B. fan to take A.B.'s side. And I don't want to cut you off. I definitely want you to finish this, but just to your point of how he's going about it, let's let's talk about how he's going about it. He's in practice. He's not in practice. He's he's back in practice. He's back out of practice. The coach is trying to be supportive. He's painting old helmets to try, mm-hmm. try to skirt the rules. Then he's back out of practice again, and at the, he gets to a point where the GM has to say either you're all in or all out. It's clearly not just a little a nuisance that no one else is noticing. It's a real thing. And it's not that, and it's not like he has, it's not like what he's dealing with, with the infrastructure in Oakland is, or, or no name people. You're talking about Mike, you're talking about Mike Mayotte. You're talking about John Gruden. People who you know, people who have track records, people who are pretty popular within NFL circles. And they're trying, you know, John Gruden is trying to be the good cop in this. But you know he's clearly frustrated because this is stupid. In the end, this is, I mean, this I don't know any other way to put it. I understand his gripe, but the fact that he's taking it so he's in and out of practice, he's going back and forth, it seems to me that this doesn't have... This shouldn't be as difficult as it is. This shouldn't be as the issue that it is. Why is this taking so long? You're now getting to the point where it's like, okay, the regular season is in a couple of weeks. 
You're halfway mm-hmm. through the preseason, and most NFL cases and most NFL teams are getting ready to break camp for the for the summer. They're ready to break training camp and basically head to town to you know wherever they're going. So why this is an issue? Why this continues to be an issue? I mean, I understand you know in all sports there's a level of nuance. Mm-hmm. There's a level of comfort. People like what they like. People want to be comfortable. That's why you see sometimes. I, I, I think you remember a couple of years ago, uh, they tried to change the uh, they they tried to change how they made an NBA basketballs. Mm, uh, <laughs> that was a disaster. It was a disaster. Like I, but what? But the point is, you know what? That was a case where there was a bunch of people, a bunch of people complaining. Mm-hmm. You know, all up and down the board. You had your superstars complaining. You had your twelfth men complaining. And it actually, it was affecting the product on the court. Yeah. Like if you remember, shooting was at an all-time worst with that ball. Nobody mm-hmm. could really get the feel for it. Yes, but what? I, it was, but what? It was yeah. after the game. But the, I guess. But the point I'm trying to make is. Right now, it's like AB is is on an island. He's on an island. It's just AB. It's just and AB. I, and I make a point with the NBA basketball. It was something that was bad for many people and overall bad for the game. With AB, it's just AB complaining. You hear other guys like Tom Brady, who used to use the same model helmet, say, "Yeah, it's a little bit different. It's an adjustment," but he's going on with it. Mm-hmm. And in the NFL, where the league is being has been sued by players over safety, specifically head trauma. And then you have helmets that are not certified as being safe anymore. Mm -hmm. Where where is your argument that I'm safer in my old helmet? I don't see the league ever being willing to back down on something like this. I don't see the league being able to back down on this. And And honestly, I'm I'm a little surprised that the players' union hasn't talked to AB about this, hasn't stepped in. Because when you're look when you're looking at players and their lawsuits and the, the fight against the NFL and the NFL's history of turning a blind eye to head trauma, turning a blind eye to concussions, here the NFL is making an effort to make things safer. Exactly, and now you're you're have, you know dragging your feet on this. To your point, if I had to speculate, though, I'd guess behind the scenes there probably has already been some sort of conversation between the players' union and and Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. I, I if I had to guess, I'd think that was something that probably happened a couple weeks ago. So you think? And, would you? Would you? Would you? Would you think that AB's ignored it? It's just saying, you know what? Forget, forget y'all. This is my issue. I'm. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely believe Antonio Brown is the type of guy who who would do something like that. Remember, he's the guy who says, "I don't need football. Mm-hmm. Football needs me." Yeah. So, I don't think that just because other players say you're wrong on this one, that AB is going to say, "You know what? You're y'all are right. I'm wrong." He doesn't seem like that type of bitch. If he wants what he wants, he's going to get what he wants. 
now, or now we know be a tantrum. Now we know that AB wanted out of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. He felt like Pitts, you know, things in Pittsburgh had reached an impasse. He wasn't happy. He wasn't happy with the team. wasn't happy with the quarterback. wasn't happy with the direction of the team. So they shipped him out. But they shipped him to Oakland, a team that was four and twelve last year. That's been bad for the better part of the last decade or so. Do you mm-hmm. think he wants Oakland? A couple decent seasons, but yeah, a couple decent. Remember last last time we talked? Remember we talked about the Browns, and we talked about the, the culture, and how you said, mm-hmm. "Hey, you know, they did have that one season." <laughs> the Raiders are like a couple; they're a few steps ahead of the Browns. Whereas you can talk about when you're talking about the Browns being awful for the better part of the last two decades. And you can say, well, they did have that one season. You can talk about the Raiders and their downfall since they were in the Super Bowl that one year. and With Rich Gannon. With Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon, who's, you know, firmly entrenched as a commentator now. Now, there's, there's a pr- pretty much. You're a, under 25 years old. You may have to Google Rich Gannon. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, if you're under 30, you may have to Google Rich Gannon to exactly. find out who he is. Exactly. Exactly. Or if you were alive while he was playing, you're far too young to remember him. Mm-hmm. But he threw a decent ball. He threw a decent ball. But the fact of the matter is, that's probably you know that was probably the last great <laughs> Oakland quarterback. The guy they got now is pretty good. Car is pretty you know pretty good. Car is solid. He's solid. Not sure if not sure if I uh, would say great yet, but nonetheless. Nonetheless, the point is, this is the team that got A.B. Do you think he, in your opinion, I'm just asking for your opinion. I'm just asking you to speculate. You think he wants to be there? I think there are places he would have preferred to be. But that being said, going from Pittsburgh to Oakland, Pittsburgh, while many people think of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania being an East Coast city, Pittsburgh is very much a Midwest Midwest city. Agreed. Agreed. And not a bad city, but it's no, Midwest. No, 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 no. But so for A B, I think being able to go out to West Coast, be in California, I don't think that's the worst thing that could have happened to him. Getting hang to hang out in San Francisco right across the bridge from Oakland a lot. As a young millionaire, he, he's gonna have he's gonna have fun. But do you think the I mean, I understand that the the atmosphere mm-hmm. would be to his liking, but do you think this organization, given the, do you think this was more about Pittsburgh sending a message like, "Hey, man, you know what? We'll ship you to Oakland." You don't, you know, because the the problem is, and we might be able to use this to 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 transition. And that's exactly what I was thinking, because you know what else I want to talk about, yeah. too, as you ask this question. Yeah. But, but, but the, the I po- don't necessarily think Oakland sent, well, Oakland was where Antonio Brown was sent to die. Mm-hmm. I, they didn't, they ne- did, definitely did not send him to a Super Bowl contender. No. But, 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 you the, knew, but you knew that Pittsburgh, they weren't going to send him to, to Cleveland. Yeah, they weren't sending him to New yeah, England. Yeah. They weren't sending him to Baltimore or anything like that. That 
would have an immediate effect on. They did leave them in the conference in the AFC, mm-hmm. but they sent them to a four-win team last year that needs pieces mm-hmm. to afford his salary, and the Raiders will be interesting this year. I'm not so I'm not convinced that they're just going to be an automatically bad team this year. Mm-hmm. But do you see AB putting it together? Getting over this helmet issue, getting in camp. I mean, he's he's practiced as of Wednesday night. He's practicing. If he gets on, if he gets on the field, I expect him to be productive. Mm-hmm. He's that talented. He's that good. But the problem is going to be making sure he gets to the field. Now. To answer, but you asked the question: Do I think he was sent there to die? No, I don't think he was sent there to die. Mm. I just think Pittsburgh thought Oakland was the best situation for Pittsburgh. Okay. Pittsburgh wasn't concerned with what was best for AB. Understood. And at that point, no. And at that point, why should they be? Exactly. Why should they? He be? didn't seem concerned about what was best for Pittsburgh. No. It no. was. It was not a amicable breakup. It was not a friendly divorce. AP, you know? AB was done with, with Pittsburgh. He was done with and Pittsburgh. He checked out. Yep. Exactly. Now, speaking of going someplace to die. He's the up. other diva receiver in the league. Odell Beckham Jr. Yes. He comes out the other day and says he actually thinks he was sitting the Giants sent him to Cleveland to die. Do you think that was the case? Let me ask you that. Okay. Start, start with what you think on this one. Was Cleveland supposed to be Odell's funeral plot? All right. First, let me preface this by saying I share your opinion of Odell Beckham Jr. Okay. Uh, I I do think he's a diva. I do think he at times he's been a troublemaker. He was done in I think he too like A B, like Antonio Brown checked out in New York. New York ended up making a deal to get rid of him. That being said, I can I I think in this particular case I think Odell Beckham Jr. is absolutely positively right. I so think, you think I, yes, yes, I think that, yes, I think end his career basically his death for his career. Yes, I think they shipped him out so he could. I and I'm not saying this to. I think it kind of refl- this whole situation kind of reflects badly on all the parties involved. But let me ask you a question What's though. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Now, the Cleveland Browns, right? They're in the AFC North. Yes. Pittsburgh, their quarterback is aging. There are some questions there. Antonio Brown's not there anymore. The Ravens, there are definitely some questions there. We don't know if their quarterback can throw the ball yet. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati, is Andy Dalton still their quarterback? Yep. And they're still Cincinnati. Yes, so. yeah. With with the young quarterback, Jarvis Landry, Mm -hmm. 
got Miles Garrett on defense, Jabril Peppers at the safety. Mm-hmm. Is Cleveland really career death for Odell? Is it Nick career death? running the ball. Kareem Hunt will be back after, what, four-game suspension? Mm-hmm. There's definitely some talent on this team. There's definitely some talent. In the, so let me let me address what you just said. I think that the I I think the move is rooted in perception. When you break down the moves that Cleveland has made over the last two years to kind of right the ship, to kind of build that foundation for their future. It's easy to see that, hey, you know what? This might not be the Cleveland Browns of the past 20 years. However, I think there's still a perception until they go out and prove that they're not the Cleveland Browns of the last 20 years. I think there's a perception that they will always be the Cleveland Browns of the last 20 years. I am not saying that New York was right in their thinking, but I do think they thought, hey, you know what? You went out of here. You're going to be a diva. I think there's I think sometimes the Giants operate almost almost as if I can make a comparison, almost to how Dallas always seems to perceive themselves as a contender and as a relevant factor even in mm-hmm. seasons when they're not. I think the I think the New York Giants at times believe that they're bigger than who they are. And here comes this devil wide receiver making it all about him, showing up the quarterback that brought two Super Bowl rings to this city. Now, if you now- now, Go ahead. I, 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 just, I, I but yeah, I, I got some interesting thoughts on that. Okay, I understand that. I understand that. You know, there's there are factors you can put behind you know Eli Manning, and yes, on the surface you see two Super Bowl wins, but you could look at the games themselves and tell a different story, and you might not actually view Eli Manning as the hero of the Super Bowl or the reason that they won either one of those Super Bowls. However, he's still got two Super Bowl rings and you have a diva wide receiver trying to come into the nation's largest market and try and dictate things. And they're saying, hey, oh, you went out? Fine, we'll get, we'll send you out. Hello, say hello to Cleveland. Now, you know, on you, if you scratch the surface and you look into who the Cleveland Browns are, the moves that they've made, everything that you talked about, you're talking about Baker Mayfield, you're talking about uh, Landry, you're talking about putting in, uh, bringing in Odell Beckham Jr. You know what? This isn't, this ain't your, this ain't your big brother's Cleveland Browns. However, I think there's still a perception and that there hasn't been enough movement and there hasn't been enough wins yet to dispel the perception. They haven't gotten that they haven't washed that stink off yet. The Cleveland Browns stink. They have a stink, they have a they have an odor that is. No, stuck I gotta, to let them. me stop you here because mm-hmm. the Cleveland Browns last season did not stink. They didn't make the playoffs. No. They didn't have a winning record. 
But after a dismal start and a coaching change, they showed signs of being a real football team. Mm-hmm. With the talent they added this year, they and the questions in their division, they are not a team you can write off. No. I don't think that Odell Beckham misses the Giants. I personally think Odell Beckham misses New York, okay. which is different. Yep. Football-wise, this could honestly be a very good thing for his career. Because if, if you look at the point where the Giants are as a franchise versus where Cleveland is as a franchise, given Odell's age and talent, Cleveland may actually be a much better football situation for him. That being said, he seems like the type of personality who liked the big lights of being in New York. Okay, I agree. As opposed to being in Cleveland, which... Isn't New York. It's not New York. It isn't New York. And I think as far as that is concerned, I think we're on the same page. However, I do what I guess where we differ is I I understand what makes Cleveland not the bottom feeder that they've been in the past. And I can acknowledge and it's not hard to see that Cleveland has made improvements. I understand that Cleveland's made improvements. Cleveland is a better team there, and everything appears that they're on the rise. Mm -hmm. That they're on the cusp of turning things around. However, I think that there's still a perception overall of Cleveland until they actually turn that corner that this will always be the Cleveland of old. And I think that kind of played into where they shipped Odell Beckham Jr., I think the Giants. Now, I think the now Giants you and are, I, being from the Philly area, we have to be fully aware of, as any football fans in the country, that perceptions can change in a heartbeat. Yes, yes. But the perception was Philly was the team that would never win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The perception was Nick Foles can't get it done. Mm-hmm. You're finished once Carson Wentz gets hurt. Yep. The perception mean nothing. It's about what happens on the field. Mm-hmm. And as far as that goes, I think Cleveland will be a very f- fun team to watch, if nothing else, this year. I think Cleveland, no. w- Cleveland will finish better than the Giants. I think Cleveland I will finish. Have a better record than the Giants. I think Cleveland will finish with a better record than the Giants. I think Odell Beckham will have a better will have better receiving numbers than any receiver on the Giants. I think Baker Mayfield will have a statistically better season than Eli Manning. I, I agree with all of that. I you know but, I don't doubt but, that, but I still think I th- I still think the Giants shipped him to Cleveland because it was Cleveland. Now I think now I think that's not. Here's the thing about that: Mm -hmm. you made the point that you think the Giants were saying we're the Giants and you're just one guy, and you compare that to what Dallas does. Let's let's be clear about something: that is not a Dallas or New York Giants issue. That is a NFL issue, Mm -hmm. and the NFL has done a masterful job at making sure that. 
from the product and the fans' perspective, it's always about the team over any individual player. And I don't care what player that you that is. Yeah. If you talk about Tom Brady, the second he's not a Patriot anymore, if he went to another team, the Patriots fans would be done with him because he's playing for somebody else mm-hmm. trying to beat the team. Yeah. As opposed to a LeBron fan in the NBA when he leaves Miami and goes to L.A., now they're Lakers fans. That doesn't happen in football. I think That is a mm-hmm. football thing where the team is always bigger than any one player. And that's a, and honestly, that's a good thing for the league. And they they like keep maintaining that position, so I wouldn't limit that. So, yeah, I do think the Giants took that position. I'm just saying I wouldn't limit it to the saying as the Giants or Cowboys that function that way. I, w- I think the NFL in general it functions that way. I could see that the whole team, no one man above the team. And that that philosophy in why they shipped Odell Beckham Jr. out of town. Mm-hmm. I, I completely understand that. And that makes sense to that makes sense to me. I, I am not disputing that. However, I do think the decision to ship him to Cleveland in particular was to send a message. And I don't think that was the, I don't think that's going to end well for the Giants. But but that's what I mean. I, the message that I feel was being sent, if you're sending any message at all to Odell, not about a, it's not about football or killing his football career. Mm-hmm. It's more personal to Odell than that. Being in the city of Cleveland after being in New York is going to eat him alive because of the city, not because of the football team. Because of the change in lifestyle, not because of what's going to happen between the lines on Sunday. So the question then is, what does how does how exactly does Odell Beckham respond? Does he respond through his through his through his play through his statistics? Like I think at some point, I, I it's not like tomorrow Odell Beckham Jr. is going to walk into the Cleveland Browns building and be Jerry Rice. And when, and I don't mean statistically, I just mean in attitude and demeanor. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. Is just going to turn around and just be Larry Fitzgerald. Nah, if he was going to do that, we wouldn't still be talking about the Giants. Yeah. So, but even then, you know, sometimes, sometimes you see in sports, you might have a player who's a little selfish, might be a diva, and then they get traded, and that's kind of the wake-up call. And I'm not quite – and even if this was a wake-up call for OBJ, I'm not quite sure if it's the, you know, it's the wake-up call that will have him necessarily change his personality. Well, if we're following the Randy Moss blueprint – the wake-up call doesn't happen until after you've been in purgatory for a couple of years mm-hmm. and have realized how bad it can really be. Mm. No, I, I understand that. You so I don't know that that necessarily... When, when, when Randy got shipped to the Raiders out of Minnesota, the Raiders were in the nadir. They were at their low point of being bad. They were in like that stretch we talked about with the Raiders. Yep. They were at like the bottom of that stretch, and no quarterback, no real motivation to play, no shot of winning for Randy. He seemed like he was checked out and he was done. 
So when he got that second chance at life, so to speak, with the Patriots, that reinvigorated him. And that was when you saw the model citizen. But it took almost a rock bottom. I don't think Cleveland is going to rock bottom. Get, give Odell that rock bottom. Mm-hmm. He's going to go out here with a talented quarterback, put up big numbers, and say, look at me, I'm Odell, especially if they make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Look at me, I'm Odell, look what happens when I get here. You made a mistake. and it's, This could go all the way wrong as far as his personality is concerned. It's, I don't, so to your, yeah, I don't think, I agree with you. I don't see Odell coming in and not being Odell anymore. I understand. I understand. Well, look, as the world turns in the world of football players with a chip on their shoulder and football players with a gripe, we're going to take a real quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to shift from wide receivers with gripes to running backs with gripes. We're going to talk a little Melvin Gordon. We're going to talk a little, uh, what we're going to talk? We're talking a little Zeke. Zeke and the Cowboys. When we come back on offense, defense, and discourse, just a reminder, you can hit us up anytime. We're on Twitter, O underscore D underscore discourse. And remember, you can download the podcast at soundcloud.com slash BITW sports, as well as Apple Podcasts. Just search best in the world sports. My name is Brown. This is Jonesy. We'll be right back on Offense, Defense, and Discourse. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. Ate off like the assassin, now I'm blasting, I'm taking over. Stick you for your blue range rover. I told you, Rampage, your real life soldier. Been in the game since the age of 13. James Lewis. Dweller south for the Hudson. New Jerusalem is seclusion. Uh, Using fake suit and yeah. I'm true. Bad, my travels like a schizo with two tabs with do-rags hanging from my pocket. Huh. What, boy? You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. When you need to be caught up on all that's going on in the sports world, tune into the Best in the World Sports Report with all-knowing John Brown each and every Saturday morning, starting at 8 a.m. here on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. And we are back on Offense, Defense, and Discourse. What's going on, y'all? My name is Brown. On the phone with me this week is Mike Jones. <laughs> we're back. I thought you were going to go with the who. Are we, have we left that last season? The who is Mike Jones? Uh, that's it'll be back. Uh, okay. Got to mix every now and then, you know. Keep people on their toes. Understood. You keep me on my toes. I appreciate that, man. I, I need that. I need that. Hey, look, man. Talking football. We talked a little AB. Talked a little Antonio Brown. Talk, talked a little OBJ. So we're done with players who just go by initials. You know, let's let's go. Let's move to running backs. Where do you want to start, Melvin Gordon or Ezekiel Elliott? 
let's start with Melvin Gordon. Okay. Melvin Gordon, that situation, I understand the most and I understand the least. Wait, say, wait, say that again. You, you understand Melvin Gordon the most or the least? Both. I understand his situation the most and I understand it the least. Okay. All right. Tell me more. I understand it the most. He's a young, talented running back on a team where there are not a whole lot of cap complications as far as players that need to be extended to big money deals and things that to that nature. Philip Rivers, of course, he gets his money, although you're also at this age not sure how much longer he's going to be there, at which point you could be back to a rookie wage scale quarterback in the next couple years anyway. And being a running back and playing a position with a very short shelf life, and this goes for him and Zeke, I understand your desire to maximize your earning potential. That being said, what I don't understand about Melvin Gordon in this situation is while he is a very talented running back, I don't know anyone who would call him a top five running back. Would you consider Melvin Gordon a top five running back in the league right now? Uh, top five? Let's see. I mean, we're talking Gurley. Gurley. Zeke. Zeke Saquon, Saquon. Assuming Le'Veon's back to form, you got him. You're looking at guys like Alvin Kamara in New Orleans. Um, you know, Melvin Gordon, he's definitely in the conversation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's right at that threshold mm-hmm. for the top five where maybe he's in there, maybe he's not. It's debatable. All right, so let me let me throw out some names and let me and I'll ask you, do you think they're better? Would you put them above Melvin Gordon? Because we, I, I, we're assuming, all right, no with, no with Zeke, no with Saquon, no with Todd Gurley, correct? Right. He's, all those guys, those are, those are better running backs than Gordon. Okay. Joe Mixon. Solid. I don't know that I'd say he's better, but it's close. Okay. Chris Carson. And he's, he's still young and getting better as well. It's close. Chris Carson. No. Christian McCaffrey. Very different. Far more versatile a weapon. Taking the handoff and running, no. But overall impact on a football field, yeah, slightly. Derrick Henry. No. AP, Adrian Peterson. Not anymore. Not anymore. Philip Lindsay. No. Nick Chubb. No. Lamar Miller. No. James Conner. No. David Johnson. If he's healthy and back to form, yes. Okay. So you would put Melvin Gordon above all those names that 
maybe not Mixon, maybe not Carson, but the rest of them, McCaffrey. Maybe, not, maybe not David Johnson. Okay. I mean, but so he, he's in, he's top ten. He's in that five to seven, five to eight range. And for a running back being offered reportedly somewhere in that ten to eleven million dollar a year range, that's where I was going. I, you're, I don't see you as a top five running back, and having been offered ten to eleven million a year. If I'm him, I know he wants to make his money and maximize his earning potential. But hearing that his holdout is likely to go and extend into the regular season when an offer like that was on the table, mm-hmm. I don't get it. Melvin Gordon didn't even rush for a thousand yards last season. Exactly. And, uh, that's that's what I find. I mean, Melvin Gordon didn't rush for a thousand yards last season. Melvin Gordon was 17th in rushing. 17th? 17th in total, in total rushing yards. Mm-hmm. Marlon and he Mack, Marlon, better than 11 million a year. Marlon Mack rushed for more yards than him. Jordan Howard rushed for more yards than him. And Jordan Howard was someone who allegedly didn't fit Chicago's system what they wanted to do. And they moved moved on from him this year, but yet he had more yards than Melvin Gordon. Hundred and seventy five attempts, eight hundred and eighty five yards, but he wants a new deal. He wants yes, he wants a new deal. Ten touchdowns, ten rushing touchdowns. Seven, now a hundred and seventy five attempts. You said yes for eight hundred and seventy yards. Yes. That's a decent average. Five point one carry. Yeah, five point one yards uh, an attempt. Yeah, not now at his yards per carry. That it five is a very good number. Mm-hmm. Let's see. The, the best running backs in the league typically average between four and five. So he's yeah. he's above five. He's yeah. doing very well. Eighth in eighth in the league in yards per attempt. Yeah, Chubb. Uh, so he, uh, that'll put yards per attempt puts him in top ten, right in that five to eight range, right, right where we were saying. Total total yards puts him top uh, top twenty, but yards but per his, attempt puts his him top. Carries 10. were down, and he's on a team that throws a lot. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to look necessarily at total yards with, and say that's everything because yeah. his attempts were that low. Is that what sixteen games played last year? Oh, let me see. Should I just close? Look, while you're looking that up, well, I I still think that our point is valid that mm-hmm. he's not a top five running back, or if he is, he's at number five. So looking to reshape, reset the running back market. Now I know with quarterbacks, it's a matter of whoever's next gets the most money. That doesn't usually tend to work out that way for running backs. Running backs, as valuable as they are and as much as a quality team needs a dependable running game, has a Super Bowl team even had a rushing champion since Emmitt Smith? Uh, Last, and I looked this up because I I looked this up because I knew if we were going to talk about wide receivers, diva wide receivers and holdout running backs, I knew you would ask me this question. So the last rushing champion 
to win a Super Bowl was Terrell Davis in 98. 1998, okay, so a little bit after Emmett, a couple years, not much, two years. Yeah, two years after And a very different version of the NFL than the game you see being played right now. Exactly. Exactly. The way the game is officiated, the way the league tends towards passing, you need a good running back. You need a versatile back. You you almost definitely need somebody who can pick up short yardage for you, those third and threes or less, fourth and ones. You need that part of the game. So I'm not saying you don't need a running back, but to some for someone to run for 1,500 yards and 20 touchdowns, that's not today's NFL. So when these guys look at a GM and say, I want 14, I want $15 million, they're going to be like, eh, not likely. Mm-hmm. I'm oh, real pretty cool. sure that's what I would do if I was the GM. It's like, yeah, not likely. What can I trade you for? <laughs> real quick, Melvin Gordon played 12 games last season. Okay, so that is the other reason his attempts his, were down. Yeah. Had he played the additional four games, mm-hmm. it's likely he'd have broke the 1,000-yard mark. Played 16 games in 2017, 1,100 yards. That was his only uh, uh, 1,000-yard season. Okay. What was his yards per carry that season? Do you have that in front uh, of you? Let's see. So looking that up. Um, what? In either case, he's a good running back. Oh, sorry. Uh, We're not disparaging him as though he's not good. Oh, yeah. No, no, not at all. 3.9 yards per carry. So he definitely. So there was a significant jump between last year, with fewer carries, and the year before when he had to carry more of a workload. Two hundred eighty-four uh, attempts in two thousand seventeen, hundred and seventy-five in two thousand eighteen. So extra hundred carries the year before, and the extra workload seemed to either he developed as a player or the extra work diminished his productivity. If it's the case that the extra work that diminishes productivity then you have to put him in a timeshare as a running back and you definitely don't want to pay him more than 11 million a year but that's the gm's job to devaluate and the gm's the one who came up with this 10 to 11 million dollar offer that's been reported mm-hmm. so given and, so given where we are now uh, i mean this seems this now seems to be how running backs go about getting their money. You know, Le'Veon Bell kind of, he kind of set the standard. He kind of wrote the blueprint. Jury's still out on whether or not you want to consider that a good move. Jury's still out on whether or not you think that worked. But nonetheless, I mean, what's your other option? As a team, as a GM, you can let your running back walk, hold out, do whatever, or you could pay him Ty Gurley money and hope he doesn't end up with arthritis in his knees. So do you – I'm I'm asking you to speculate. Okay. You, game one, is Melvin Gordon in uniform? No. How many, how many games would, could you see him missing? You don't, you don't think he hits, uh, sits out the whole season? I'd say probably – three or four games at the most just to give them a taste of what life is like without them. 
because either way after that, if they start poorly in the first three or four games, he has to come back and show that he's the difference. He's the thing that can make them go and make them a winning team. And if he sits out for too long, he ends up like Le'Veon in Pittsburgh where they realize we can get the job done without you. Go ahead and see who will pay. All right, this is out the shoot. Chargers play the Colts. They travel to Detroit, home against the Texans. Then they go to Miami. Mm-hmm. Colts, Lions, Texans, Dolphins. The Colts, I can't say because I don't know who their quarterback's going to be in week one. Yeah. Lions, that should actually be a fairly good game. Where is that game being played? That's in Detroit. In Detroit? Yes. I'll give the edge to Detroit by a field goal. Okay. Home against uh, Houston. That's a tough one. They could lose that one, too, to Houston. Houston's a talented team with a talented quarterback. Yeah, I could see Houston winning that one. Okay. Then they travel to Miami. Early game in Miami. One o'clock game in Miami. That well, early games for in the East Co- on the East Coast are yeah. always tough for West Coast teams, yes. but I just don't trust Miami to be able to win that one. Okay. So, so you're talking about a team two and two, two Let's and say, two, maybe two, one and three, two and two, maybe one and three. And if that's the case, that's the ideal situation for Melvin Gordon if they're one and three. Mm-hmm. And he can like you need me now. I'll come back. We can go on a run. And I have proved my point. You need. It could, I mean, if Melvin if Melvin Gordon is lucky, that's that is what's happening. That's how it is. The that's, way I see it, that's the dream scenario for Melvin Gordon at this point. I think, I, honestly, I, I just feel like I'm not. I could I could see the charges coming out. And struggling, and that would play dire- that would play directly into Melvin Gordon's hands, because I I just feel like this drawing out this going longer than a month is it doesn't work for either either team, either the player or the team. N- neither of them will benefit from this draw from this drawing out. But as far as a running back, because we all know that running backs take such a beating. But I mean, this is true for any football player, yeah, but yeah. the way running backs get hit on every play, whether they're running the ball or having to block on a passing play, engaging 300 pound D linemen, running backs take a real beating. And I guess if if there's if there's a way even if they even if they struggle say they struggle but you're looking maybe maybe Kansas City in fact let's look let's 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 look real quick i know we've gone through this before but uh let me ask you a question mm-hmm. while you're looking though yeah we're talking about running backs and the mm-hmm. beating they take and the, way, the reasons why they want to get paid. Mm-hmm. Knowing all that goes into the running back position, if you're a GM, would you want to give your running back 12, 13, 14 million a year? Would I want to? No. 
Would but, you be willing to? Honestly, it would depend on the running back, depending on his injury history, depending on like how durable, how many hits that he takes, how we plan on using him. You look at San Diego, and you – I mean, one of the things that you remarked earlier in this segment was they throw the ball a lot. You know, they put a lot of pressure – they put a lot of the onus of the offense on Phillip Rivers. But mm-hmm. on the flip side, we know that Philip Rivers has more time behind him than he has in front of him. And if Correct. you're going to bring in, if you're looking to bring in a younger quarterback, possibly a rookie in the next couple of years, you're going to depend. You're going to need a a skilled, a skilled running, running back to carry more of yes. the load. But the question is, can that be when when that time comes? Can that be Melvin Gordon? Because we don't know when that is. Philip Rivers hasn't. I mean, we all know we're all we're all looking at Philip Rivers, knowing that he's getting older, knowing that the time you know the end is coming soon. But Philip Rivers hasn't said much about retirement yet, has? No, he hasn't. Philip Rivers, but he hasn't come out like Tom Brady has said. I want to play to him forty-five either. He's just kind of been mum on the subject either way. Yeah. So, but we really just don't know what he's thinking. So. The bottom line is like say you you know say you give him you say you pay Melvin Gordon and at some point in time you have to finally make a decision and maybe you even have to cut bait with uh Philip Rivers. Maybe it might be a situation where Philip Rivers feels like he has more in the tank and you're just like look bro you know it's been a good run your name is going to go on our uh, our wall of fame, our ring of honor, whatever they call it in the Chargers. Maybe they re- retire his jersey, but hey, bro, it, it, it's over. But the problem is if you wait too long, you're going to be looking to replace Phillip Rivers and Melvin Gordon because we also know that the shelf life on running backs isn't that long. Agreed. That is very true. So, you know, it, I mean, in the end, so what, you'd be looking to replace Melvin Gordon now? I Well, you asked me what I you asked me what I, I would do. And I guess to me you're sitting there and you're looking at it and you have you have him in tow. Do you pay him now? Honestly, I would need more answers. I need to know I would if I'm a GM, I need to know exactly what Philip Rivers plans for the future. If Philip Rivers is saying, "Hey, man, you know what? Uh you know, if, if he's a little sketchy on it, then I don't know. I, I, I'd be hard pressed." But we talked about how they start. I'm looking at Kansas City right now. Kansas City starts with two road games. They're at mm-hmm. Jacksonville, then they're at the Raiders, then they are home for the Ravens, and then at Detroit. The Chargers could struggle out the gates, but also the, the Chiefs could struggle as well. So if the Chargers, mm-hmm. so if the Chargers come out, the, uh, and the Broncos could be for real, mm-hmm. who knows? For all we know, with the last place schedule, the Raiders could be an improved team. Yeah, they could be. I guess the question, the question is, how they perform in these first four games. So we're, if we're looking at Melvin Gordon sitting for four games, sitting for at least four games, I guess the question would then. Be, the question would become exactly where the rest of this division is. How winnable is this division? Because if it's if 
you start out 0-4 and the team starts out 4-0, then you know what? It, it, it's a wrap. You know, in, in, in pro football, it, it's hard to overcome four games. Oh, absolutely. We know You know that and I know that. So, you know, it, it'll be very interesting to see where this pit plays out. Now, look, we... Look, we've been talking a lot of disgruntled players. We've talked A.B. on this show. We've talked still OBJ. Got more we still got Melvin Gordon. But let's take a real quick break. we got one more disgruntled player on this grid. This, this episode. Only might, one? Yeah, well, we're going to talk about one. Well, you know what? I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know <laughs> what we're going to do. We might, look, this might be just a show for disgruntled. If any other disgruntled players, if, you, if you're a player, you're listening to this show, and you got a beef, let us know. All right, my name is Brown. This is Mike Jones. This is offense. Mike Jones. Okay. This is offense, defense, and discourse, and we'll be right back. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. The construction Tim's are classic in Philly they and are. New York. They are. Connecticut. James Lewis. I've never been to Connecticut, man. Connecticut, Jersey, you definitely from Uptown, New York. You're definitely Manhattan, from New York if you Harlem. shouted out Connecticut. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. When you need to be caught up on all that's going on in the sports world, Tune into the Best in the World Sports Report with all-knowing John Brown each and every Saturday morning starting at 8 a.m. here on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. Offense, defense, and discourse continues. Shabur Brown and Mike Jones. All right, we talked AB, we've talked OBJ, we've talked Melvin Gordon. Let's talk Dallas Cowboys. Oh, man, I've been looking forward to this one. I know you've been looking forward to this one because you're somebody who revels in the pain of Dallas Cowboys fans. I know you do. There's no need for you to to deny it. You can't deny it. I've known you too long. In fact, I've reveled in that pain with you too many times for you to try and deny it. You revel. You celebrate. You bathe in the pain I do. of Cowboys fans. I'm like the anti bailiff Exactly. Exactly. Well, a lot of people are anti-Bayless because Bayless is, you know, I'm not even, you know what. That's... Uh, when it comes to the Cowboys, I'm like the polar opposite of Bayless. Okay. For for every ounce of love he has for them, you I have that much hate. hate. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I like that about you because I share that hate for the Dallas Cowboys. We are both Philadelphia Eagles fans. We are both long-time Philadelphia residents. We are both people, we, you know, we – we're from this area. We're from Philly. We're Eagles fans. We bleed green. We try to be, you know, objective. Not, and that's exactly what I was about to say. I am still going to try to be as objective as I can. Yes, I mean, I, I think. What's in, going on in Dallas? In this particular case, I just case, may happen yeah. to enjoy the dysfunction yeah. in the process. In this particular case, it's pretty easy to be objective because the facts are what they are. Dallas Cowboys have 
they're they're putting together what they hope will be their new triplets. If you remember the triplets from uh, back in the day, Aikman, Emmett Smith, and Michael Irvin. Now mm-hmm. they believe they they have that again. They have that three man foundation for what will bring them Super Bowl. Or yes, they have a young talented quarterback, a young talented wide receiver, and a young talented running back. The question is, how is Jerry Jones going to pay them and still field a team that can win with these triplets? I mean, that that is indeed the question. We we were talking about Melvin Gordon not wanting t- between ten and eleven million a year. Ezekiel Elliott is also holding out. He's it work working out, staying in shape in Cabo. And from what I know of this situation, Ezekiel Elliott actually wants to reset the running back market. He doesn't want just ten eleven. He wants to be the highest paid running back which puts him in Todd Gurley territory. Mm-hmm. Now, and at the same time this is going on, you've got a quarterback who wants reportedly $40 million a year and a number one receiver who also is going to want to get paid while Michael Thomas of the Saints just reset that market at $20 million a year. Is Jerry Jones in trouble? In your opinion? I don't know how you make it all work. And meanwhile, while all of this is going on, in the background, Jalen Smith just got signed an extension. So his money is now taken care of, and that's just another little bit less out the pot available for the three guys we just talked about. Of course, they already knew they were going to have to pay Jalen Smith, too. But his name was never one of the ones people were even talking about. Mm-hmm. If you pay Dak $40 million a year, you can't pay everybody else. Mm-hmm. You can't. And the thing is, this is the thing. We've seen the Cowboys with Dak under center and no Ezekiel Elliott, and it didn't look good. But we've also seen the Cowboys with Ezekiel Elliott and Dak and no Amari Cooper, and while the running game worked, the passing game wasn't really working. We constantly talked about how Dak couldn't get the ball downfield. And with Amari Cooper, he still wasn't necessarily throwing the ball 15 yards deep plus, but Amari could take a 12-yard route and stretch it out. He was excellent at adding yards after the catch and providing Dak with that real number one receiver option that he also needed. So for Dak's success, he apparently needs both of these guys. So why is it that why do you think it's Dak struggles with that realization. I don't think it's hard. I don't think it's a hard concept to understand that, hey, if you want to be that 40 million, if you want to be a 40 million caliber player, Mm 
not necessarily paid $40 million, but you want to be the type of player that you feel deserves $40 million because there are people out here that hear Dak Prescott wants $40 million and they just bust out laughing. There, mm-hmm. One of them. There are other players, you know, who might say you, you might hear their name attached to $40 million a year and you say, eh, oh, oh, okay. I could see that. And there are players that you might say, hey, you know what? Definitely give them their money. Give them that money. But there are people who hear Dak Prescott wants $40 million and they're like, dude, you must be out your mind. Okay. Who do you think is the best quarterback in, in the NFL right now? Best? The best. Not named Tom Brady. Oh. Well, Put me on the spot here. Let me see. Um, Aaron Rodgers. Let's say Aaron Rodgers. Okay. All right. What's happened to the great? Remember when they won a Super Bowl early in his career? He looked amazing. Yeah, yeah. They had a good team around him. He was on his rookie deal as a late first round pick, making about four million, four million a year, I think it was, something mm-hmm. like that, was his cap number. Mm-hmm. And he got paid. He got paid as the highest paid quarterback in the league. They haven't been very good since. One or two playoff runs, nothing deep. Missed the playoffs a few times. A lack of weapons, lack of defense. Offensive line inconsistencies. These are things you have to deal with when your quarterback. If your quarterback gets an extra thirty million, that's thirty million not available to build the rest of the team. You have to find some sort of way to compensate for that. If you still want to play at that same Super Bowl level, your quarterback didn't just get thirty million better. Between one between one year and the next, he might have got a little better. But did he get enough better to make up for a $30 million difference in the rest of your roster? And that's with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Now imagine going from third-round pick money to $40 million. What happens to that roster? So, yeah, as much as I hate to say this, and it really does pain me to say this, the Cowboys right now are a very balanced, very dangerous team. Their defense, if they stay on the trajectory trajectory they were on last year, is very good. The offense with Zeke and if Zeke is on in house and on the field, adding Amari Cooper, Jason Witten, a consistent target for He's not fast. I don't know what it is, but somehow he knows to get how to get open. The other tight end, Jarwin, who started to show signs last year, the addition of Randall Cobb to go opposite of Amari Cooper. This is a dangerous team. So, from that standpoint, if they have to pay that Prescott and and upward, upwards of an extra $35 million a year. I don't know what happens to this Cowboys team going forward. Two years from now, we could be looking at a very different team. 
So Cooper, Prescott, Elliot. Elliot. Rank the you're the GM. If I had to guess, if you had to guess. Get paid and the one who doesn't is Elliot. Really? Mm-hmm. If I'm the GM, I'm not resetting the market on running back. I'll trade you a draft who I can get first. Mm-hmm. As great as Zeke is, and he is great, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. You look at around the league, how many talented running backs right now are playing that were drafted second round, third round, fourth round, you know? Mm-hmm. And these guys are out here having impacts on the league, so it's hard for me to when I can look, sit back and say, you know, I could probably find some team to give me a first or second round pick for Ezekiel Elliott. And I'll just replace them. Now, did you like, hear about... And, and I know people look at that this. oh, that's crazy. You can't trade a superstar like that. Dallas what happened when Herschel Walker got traded from Dallas? Yeah, exactly. Dallas has done it before. This wouldn't be the first time Be the first time for Jerry. Jerry Jones was the owner when they... Was Jerry Jones the owner when they traded uh, Herschel Walker? Had he bought he the team in? So, yeah, that was his team. Yeah, okay. So that was the trade that brought in Emmett and... Irvin and, and Aikman. Aikman. Okay, okay. That was Jerry Jones's team. I understand. Do you? I th- honestly, I, a couple weeks ago, I said, you know, I thought, I thought Zeke would get his money. But as we're getting closer and closer to the season, now I think I might have to change that stance. I thought Zeke would get his money. I thought they were both jostling for position, and then by the time the season started, the two. These two guys, these two sides would figure it out. Now, my question for you is, do you see Zeke's holdout going into the regular season, or do you think he shows up week one? I think I want I tend to think he show he shows up because part of me still wants to hold on to this belief that I, I just don't believe that these two that they this is going to end with the Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott parting ways. I think it is more, I think Zeke, Zeke's expendability is a little more pronounced than it is with Melvin Gordon. More because you, when you look at who the Cowboys have to pay, that's the mm-hmm. reality of it. Cowboys still have to pay Dak. Cowboys still have to pay Cooper. Cowboys still have a team to hold on to. So there's going to be an odd man out. I agree. Whereas well, where we were talking about Melvin Gordon, that's not necessarily the case. Phillip Rivers is at the end. And after that, you're going to have a quarterback on a rookie deal. Who's the star wide receiver in uh, uh, in uh, Los Angeles for the Chargers. Keenan Allen. Is he going to, you know, he's a decent player. He's a, he's a decent, very receiver. He's a but decent he's player. He's not going to go yeah. anywhere near twenty million a year. Exactly. That deal, you know, you Melvin Gordon and Keenan Allen could very well get deals that could keep them and keep the Chargers somewhat competitive. 
Whereas if the Dallas Cowboys break the bank on Dak, Zeke, and Cooper, they might be in trouble. I think Zeke is facing Zeke's expendability is hitting him in the face. And that's why I think that Zeke and the Cowboys will figure it out before this season starts. I think they will jostle. Yes, we know that Zeke is in uh, yes, we know that Zeke is in Cabo. I I think a lot of that talk about uh Jerry Jones and his and his Zeke. I think part of that was blown out of proportion, but part of that also makes me think like Jerry, you should know you should know better. Like when you heard uh you heard Jerry Jones come out and be like, Hey, Zeke. Mm-hmm. But everything about it, like as much as I want and I like to stir the pot when it comes to the Cowboys. Like I I am not one who will shy away from stuff like that. When it comes to sticking it to the Cowboys, when it comes to making fun of Cowboys fans, where it comes to making sure I paint a perfect picture of a dumpster fire when I'm talking about the Dallas Cowboys. I will never run away from that. However, yeah, that was taken out of context. That's that's not that's that's not hard to understand. That's not a hard point to understand. That's not you know that that just is what it is. However, Jerry Jones knows who Ezekiel Elliott is. Yeah, and he was having a little fun with a reporter. Yeah, but also in that same vein, come on, Jerry, you you got to know that was going to happen though. And you have to know that soundbite is going to be yeah. blown up in oh, yeah. today's Twitterverse. Yeah, and you know, and soundbite like that. In today's day and age, yeah. In in this day and age, this today's society has very little use for context. They don't care what how he meant it. They don't care what he meant. They see unnecessary luxury these days. Yes, Cowboys fans and Zeke in particular, and especially Zeke's agent, Zeke's representative. They hear mm-hmm. that, they see Zeke who, and they just, you know, they're going to run with this. However, I think in the end, I think, you know, Jerry gives them a call, but like, hey, bro, I was joking. That's not what I meant. You know you're important. I got this bread. All you got to do is come back and take it, and we and all is forgiving. And honestly, I, you know, worry is seeping in. And I say, and I I use, you know, for a lack of a better term, because at this, because honestly, if this all blows up in Dallas's face as an Eagles fan, I would love it. But you asked me to be objective. Mm-hmm. Objectively speaking, I think they figure it out. So Objectively you think speaking, they all get paid. I, I, I think Zeke is the odd man out. No, I I understand that. I think honestly. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Do you see a situation where one of them comes off their demands and and signs a deal a little more reasonable? No, you don't. Okay, Dak is a quarterback who's in a position where Jerry Jones has already come out and said he is our quarterback. We want him here. He, unfortunately for Dallas, they waited until after Carson went did his, his deal. Carson Wentz, when you compare them, compare him to Dak Prescott, 
if you sit down at the negotiating table, regardless of eyeball tests, we might, as fans, think Carson Wentz is better or he's not better. He's more accurate downfield or whatever the case may be. Fact still remains Dak Prescott has two division titles. Dak Prescott has won a playoff game. The one year Carson Wentz won a division and went to the Super Bowl, he was off the field by the time the division, the regular season ended and didn't play in a single playoff game. The following year, the Eagles made their playoff run after he was hurt and he didn't play in the playoff victory. So for Dak's representation, when they sit down to negotiate, they're going to say, we have more division titles, we have a playoff win, you need to pay me more than Wentz. And we all know in the NFL, especially the quarterback, next guy up gets the most money. Mm-hmm. So for Dallas, the fact that they waited until after Wentz to do what do Dak's deal, that gives Dak leverage where he, he's less likely to come off his $40 million demand. And even if he does come down some, he's still in position to be in that $35 million a year range. Do you think thirty five is too much? A lot of money. Is thirty five too much for Dak? In your opinion? In my opinion, yes. 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 Okay. But we all know that's the quarterback market. Yes. Next guy up gets his money, whether or not it's too much for. Okay. So Amari any- Cooper. Now, as far as him backing off his demand, he knows he's in position to. I'm just going to wait it out. I, they got to give me my money. Look at what they invested to bring him in. Yeah. You know, you don't trade first-round picks for a guy you're not going to pay. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd rather keep that first-round pick, draft a receiver somebody, and have them under control of their rookie deal for the next four years. So when you bring in Amari by trade like that, like you did from Oakland, from Oakland for that pit, you pretty much guaranteed him his money to gave him extra leverage. Which brings us back to Ezekiel Elliott. He's probably got the least leverage, which is why he's the one who feels the need to hold out. So do you think, do you see them trading him before the season's over? Not before this season is over. Do you, but that's the thing. This is Zeke's fourth year, and then the Cowboys have the fifth-year option on him as well, so they actually have him under control for two more years. They could very easily play him the entire season if he comes in and comes into camp, shows up, play him the entire year, and then trade him in the offseason before they have to pay him. The Cowboys have no urgency to do Ezekiel Elliott's deal right now. Mm-hmm. Do you see a situation where Zeke holds out into the season? You asked me this I question, I'm, I'm putting it back to you. I do think it's possible. I don't think it's as likely as Melvin Gordon going into the season holding out, but I very, I do very much think it's possible. So you see, So you see a situation where Zeke comes back but doesn't get his money? For this year, yes. Okay. Which is why I think it's possible that Zeke holds out. In the same way we talked about what the ideal situation for Melvin Gordon would be, 
it's even more so the case for Ezekiel Elliott. While Melvin Gordon is with an established quarterback, established passing game, if Dak, who struggled when Ezekiel Elliott was out before, comes out this year and struggles even with a number one receiver, and then Ezekiel Elliott comes in and say week two or three, week three or four, and this is day two game. Then he comes in at week three and the offense starts rolling. That that gives Ezekiel Elliott that extra leverage. Like, look, I'm the guy who makes this thing go. Mm. So again, for that reason, I could see Ezekiel Elliott wanting to extend his holdout into the regular season to prove his worth to the team by saying, this is what you look like without me. This is what it looks like when teams don't have to load eight guys in the box to stop me. This is what happens when you see teams in a lot more nickel and dime defenses playing your receivers in tight coverage because they're not worried about me running over at DVs. So from that standpoint, yeah, I could see Ezekiel Elliott's holdout extending into the season. I don't see him going the Le'Veon Bell route where he misses the entire year. But Le'Veon was also not willing to sign a franchise tag. He wasn't actually under contract. Hmm. Well, time will tell. So, time, time will definitely tell. Well, look, had a lot of fun talking about that, but we still, we still got more show to do. Hey, we, still, we still got a lot I, more. We got, that's that's I, good, dude. It is good. It's good. So, look, let's take a real quick break, and then we'll come back with more of offense, defense, and discourse. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmode Squad. Ate off like the assassin, now I'm blasting, I'm taking over. Stick you for your blue range rover. I told you, Rampage, your real life soldier. Been in the game since the age of 13. James Lewis. Dwelling south of the Hudson, New Jerusalem in seclusion. Uh, Using fake suit and yeah. I'm true bad. Mine travels like a schizo with two tabs with do-rags hanging from my pocket. Huh. What, boy? You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. When you need to be caught up on all that's going on in the sports world, tune into the Best in the World Sports Report with all-knowing John Brown each and every Saturday morning starting at 8 a.m. here on the Philly Go Flow at phillygoflow.com. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio. And we are back on Offense, Defense, and Discourse. My name is Brown. This is Jonesy talking sports right here as we do every week. 
make sure you download this podcast though soundcloud.com slash bitw sports and remember you can hit us up we're on twitter o underscore d underscore discourse all right we talked a lot of football being played on the field and people kind of unhappy with their team situation that was not the only football news since the last time we joined you Colin Kaepernick's name has found its way back into the news, especially with this new deal announced by the NFL with Jay-Z and Rock Nation. So we've all, we've always had our opinion. We've gone back and forth on this situation. So let me bring in Mike Jones. Mike, what is your what is your thoughts on it? What did you think when you first heard the deal between the NFL and Rock Nation? My first question was, so what's he even going to be doing and is he getting a check? Because when they announced the partnership, the details at first were, I don't want to say vague, but they weren't as specific as they could have been. Mm -hmm. So that was my first thought. For me, my thoughts didn't initially go to Colin Kaepernick. Although Jay-Z was a supporter of Kaepernick, and there was the whole NFL boycott until Kaepernick is back at work thing. Mm-hmm. It was Jay Z's a businessman. You know, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. Mm-hmm. That's Jay Z. Jay Z is the guy who says. You know, he doesn't have to be a outspoken advocate because his presence is a present. Mm-hmm. You know? So, Jay-Z signing a deal that's good for Jay-Z is consistent with the Jay-Z. I didn't think a whole lot of it. Then you hear Eric Reed's comments. Eric Reed. Carolina Panthers, Colin Kaepernick's former teammate, safety with the 49ers, who was protested with him, was out of the league briefly and then made his way back in. He seemed to take umbrage with Jay-Z signing the deal. And if you listen to Reed's comments, though, when I heard him, my first thoughts listening to Eric Reed were, are you protesting and kneeling for the same reasons that Colin Kaepernick was? Mm. Or are you protesting kneeling and kneeling for Colin Kaepernick? Because at that point, it sounded like the cause was irrelevant and Colin Kaepernick was the cause. Like, we're now we're protesting and kneeling because Colin Kaepernick needs a job. And to me, that part of it seems silly. Colin Kaepernick was under contract, opted out. Nobody signed him. Okay, you filed a suit. But once you file suit, I don't know anybody who has sued a company and then gone back to work for that company after. Do you know anybody who's done that? No. And, you know, it was brought up to me that Eric Reed was part of the settlement as well. But Eric Reed was back in the league before the set, prior to the settlement mm-hmm. taking place. So 
assuming the NFL did take some sort of live, they had to settle. So there was some, while they might not have admitted liability, mm-hmm. something came from it where they had to make payments. And if they were to blackball Eric Reed again, that's brand new liability they're opening themselves up to. Kaepernick's out. They have no reason, no incentive to bring him back. They don't have to try to get him out again. He's out. You sued me. If I sued you, would you want to work with me again? No. I mean, would you think anyone, any rational person, would want to work with someone again who just sued them? Not on, not on the surface. Not no, not right off the bat. So why do people assume that Colin Kaepernick should get a job or will get a job? Explain that to me, please. Because I don't get it. I will, I will say this. I. I will say that I I agreed with Colin Kaepernick's the reasons behind his protest. Mm-hmm. I think they were valid reasons. I believe that Colin Kaepernick has been blackballed out of the league. I will say I found Eric Reed's criticism of Jay Z disappointing. I was disappointed. Felt a little let down by it. Why is that? I felt let down by it because I felt like it was too quick to offer criticism. As we as we do this show right now, we're talking maybe about a week, maybe a little over a week. Not, but not two weeks since mm-hmm. this deal has been announced. As you said earlier, details were kind of vague, kind of sketchy. We don't know exactly what was going on, but we we heard that Jay-Z would counsel their uh, social justice committee as well as help produce and uh, their halftime show and other entertainment venues. Other entertainment mediums. That's what we. That's what we heard. There was a TMZ report out saying that it could also equal. It could also uh, lead to ownership opportunities. But now we're, there's been reports that refute that as well. So we don't. We don't know whether or not that was that deal was made. However, like I said, you know, I was a little bit disappointed. Because to the point that you made, was Eric Reed kneeling for Colin Kaepernick or was he kneeling for Colin Kaepernick's cause? I think a lot of people were quick to call. I think a lot of people were quick to call Jay-Z a sellout. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it's too early to say whether he sold out. And and honestly, and real quick, I feel like when it comes to Eric Reed, when it comes to this particular case, I feel like the term sellout has been used too easily and thrown around too too easy. I feel like 
when you saw last year with the, the, the war of words between Reed and Malcolm Jenkins. I have a hard time seeing what Malcolm Jenkins does in this community and calling him a sellout. Now, now, see, now that's where I want to go, because you said something that makes me want to ask you a question. And okay. I'm just going to throw this question out there and let you go a little more. My question is this. Now, with you, with with the, I don't want to say confusion, mm-hmm. but uh, almost ambiguity. Listening to Eric Reed, uh, trying to d- distinguish between: Are you protesting for Kaepernick or for Kaepernick's cause? My next question would be to this: If it's if assuming it's about the cause, is Jay Z now in a position? to better affect the cause. I guess, to me, I feel like... And that's because the, he is in a position to benefit the cause, and then isn't this a good thing? Well, that's that's the problem. I feel like people have been so quick to call Jay-Z a sellout, to say Jay-Z sold out. And my thing is, I feel like, I feel like it speaks to a couple of different points. One is a point socially that I feel like it, it kind of plagues us as a people. And I, when I mean us, I mean black people. I feel like there's a stigma and there, society tends to dictate to us that as black people, we must all agree on everything all the time. That we must always be 100% on the same page as each other all the time and that we can't agree to disagree. We can't be on di- we can't be on different pages on certain issues and still coexist. This is the example that I give. I feel like, you know what? I support Colin Kaepernick. I believe he was blackballed out the league. I support his cause. I believe his cause is a legitimate one and I and I admire him for using the platform that he had to bring attention to these to these issues i i agree with eric i i agree with eric reed when he says when he talks about his support for colin kaepernick and colin kaepernick's causes however in this particular case i disagree with them i think eric reed is wrong and the thing is what I, I think that Colin I think Colin Kaepernick's view of what Jay Z has done right now, I think I disagree with that. But what I don't want to do is feel, I don't want to give Kaepernick critics cause to think that I'm now on your side. You're not going to use me to pile on Colin Kaepernick. And and, and that's kind of and I'm glad you said that because that's kind of why I am as well, where it it feels like in 2019, everyone wants to force you to pick a hard line, pick mm-hmm. a side, black and white on everything. Yes. And they choose to ignore nuance. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those situations where I think it's good to pay attention to nuance. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree. I, I say this, and, and, and honestly, if, if I may, I, I'll, I'll shout out my dad. My dad has always been a history teacher. That's that's who he was. My father's always been a history teacher. My father my father has always been a civics teacher. Mm-hmm. And I an analogy I had used with people when we talk on when 
the split between the players coalition and Reed and Kaepernick last year, when that came up in conversation, I brought up the split between the black Panther party. When there were two major, there was a philosophy difference. Who are we, who are we going to be? Are we going to be that, that organization on the ground, uh, rebuilding the community, helping people with after school, helping the poor and disenfranchised? Or are we going to be this organization that overthrows this corrupt government that leads to these uh, disenfranchised people and and, and these poor people? Whereas last year, you know what? Yes, you know, I, I think without a doubt, Without argument, I'm at this point. I'm I'm past arguing whether or not Colin Kaepernick was blackballed out the league. I'm past that. Probably was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to, to me, to me personally, in my opinion, there is no probably. I understand. You know, some people might people might not want to take that hard stance yet, but for me personally, yes, he was blackballed out the league. To me, I'm I'm you know I'm not even interested in that debate anymore. However. I feel like there are people who say, "Hey, you know what? Like, like, how do? Where do you go from here? You know, the NF, the NFL seems willing, at least on the surface, to at least look at some of these issues and addressing some of these issues that Colin Kaepernick stood stood up against. Mm-hmm. And then there are people who say, "How can the NFL look at these issues that Colin Kaepernick stood up against?" while at the same time keeping him out of the league. And then the question then becomes, what is more important? If you can't have both, you know, are you saying, you know what? If you're not going to if you're not going to give Colin Kaepernick a job, if you're not and not not even give him a job, if you're not even going to let him compete for a job. If you're not, you know, if you're not even going to give him a chance to earn a job, because he stood up for these causes, I, how are yeah. you going to address the causes? I, now, here's one question I do have. Okay. Is the NFL the only professional football league out there? No. I mean, there's how the does he XFL. not have a chance to get a job? If you're, so, you, so you're saying that he should – if you were advising if him, I, you'd tell him to go to the XFL? If I worked for, I don't know, if I worked for Disney and then I sued Disney and I want to stay in the movie business, I have to go to, I don't know, Sony now. I can't go back to Disney and say, I want to make movies for you again. If Colin Kaepernick wants to play football, he has to go play football somewhere other than the NFL. So you you believe Colin Kaepernick in suing Lee closed that door on Yes. Okay. Whether or not he was blackballed prior to that, and I think we can agree on what happened there. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're debating that part of it. No, no, we're not. No, I, I, I know where you, I, I understand where you're getting. Yes, we're on. As far as that's that concerned, yes. Once you take it, once there is a legal action and a settlement, that door is closed. Okay. You say you lost money. Where do you think that? And the owners and the league had to pay a settlement. Where do you think that settlement came from? It came out the owner's pocket. Now they feel like we paid you for work you didn't do. Go away. Well, I, I, well, 
if that is if that is their mentality, I think that that remains to be seen. That's any that's any business's mentality. No, I understand. I understand, but I feel like I, at 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 this point, where where do you go from here? If you because honestly, that then brings us back to how we view the NFL, how the consumer, how we the consumer view the NFL, and if the NFL is saying. That hey, you know what? We're we we do want to hear what our player. We want to hear how our players feel and what our players feel. We need to do as far as these issues. I feel like, mm-hmm. look, you know what? To me, I as a consumer, I feel like it. It behooves me. I, I feel compelled to say, hey, you know what? We need to be able to say this until in, until the point where Colin Kaepernick says, hey, you know what? I don't want to play anymore. I don't feel like we should always be willing to say, hey, you know what? NFL owners blackballed Colin Kaepernick out the league because he chose to use his platform to stand up against police brutality and injustice in this country. You know, that's not that a point. That is a point that, you know, to me, that's a point that cannot be said enough. However, the, you know, however, now it's like, okay, if the NFL want, if the NFL wants to pay, pay some attention, if the NFL now wants to then turn their sights towards social injustice, then why, you know, they should, you know, they, they, we cannot let the NFL blackball Colin Kaepernick out the league and ignore social injustice. And at my at this point now, one of the biggest things that we, you know, probably one of the biggest hurdles is having somebody with money, with long money, who can put his money where his mouth is at the table. You can't have a conversation if you're not in the room. Jay-Z got in the room and instead of saying and instead of presenting Jay-Z with an agenda, we presented Jay-Z with criticism. We called Jay-Z a sellout. We at the uh, time when, at the at the time when we should have been presenting Jay Z, hey, you know what? Oh, the oh the NFL owners want to bring you to the table. Hey, well, this is what we need. We, we need, need to, we need to discuss this. We need to look at this. Yes, yes. These are the things that we need to. These are the things that we need to look at. And it's not. Look, like, and here's the thing. I feel like there's been a lot of memes, and and, and when we're up against the time now, and I I knew this was gonna happen. But I do have a question for you before we get out of here. Okay, though. all right. Let me let me let me make this one point now, and 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 I'll let you ask your question. I said let you ask your question. Like this ain't your show. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the, the the point that the point that I'm making is that there needed to be an agenda, and it's not. And I feel like we're getting sidetracked. From that agenda, getting into who sold out and who didn't. Yes, Jay Z is a capitalist. We know Jay Z is a capitalist, but he's also. But it's not like he's not been a philanthropist as well. And why are we acting like you can't do both? And why does it seem like we only do that with our people? How come Jay Z can't be a capitalist and a philanthropist? Nobody ever tells Bill Gates that he has to pick one or the other. So why should Jay Z? That's true. Mm-hmm. Real quick before I ask my question, mm-hmm. the one thing you it, it, with that is that you could be a capitalist and a philanthropist, but the public will always come after you if your capitalism conflicts with your philanthropy. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I can't be the world's largest polluter and then say I'm champion of the Green New Deal. Mm-hmm. They'll come after you. Mm-hmm. And for this, for people, for some people, the optics of this would have the appearance of a conflict. Okay. That being said, though, here is my question for you. What's up? Why do any of us even think it's the NFL's job to deal with social justice issues in the first place? Is it their job? No. And I think that's part I think that's part of the issue. Do they is it their job? Do they have every right to say no? Yeah. But it's like you think you I I guess people are saying, "Hey, you know what? You're making all this money off the blood, sweat, and tears of these people, of these players. Mm-hmm. These are the. It's it's not because I feel like people people too often get in make a bad habit of trying to compare jobs. All right, people say you know it's like hey, look, an NFL player's job isn't my job. I am a free. I am a freelance studio technician for NBC Sports. I can't make mm-hmm. the same I can't make the same demands. I don't have the same effect on the bottom line as say a Mike Tarico or a Bob Costas. Correct. So if there are issues or some you know if if there are things that Bob Costas or a Mike Tarico find important to them NBC might be more compelled to listen to what they got to say before they listen to John Brown. That's very true. So it's like when I sit there and say, hey, you know, so, you know, and, and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just using those names as an example. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, but when people talk about, you know, the social issues, oh, this wouldn't happen at my job, any job, it's like, you know what, that's not your job. It's not your job. Your job isn't their job. When you can when you can say I made X amount of millions of dollars for my boss, then you can make those demands. You know, it's like look, these players are making millions. Mm-hmm. These play the the work that they're doing is directly tied to the difference between those owners being millionaires and billionaires. So therefore it's like, hey, you know what? If this is important to them, you know what? It would behoove these people to say, hey, you know what? We care. No, they don't have to. Of course they don't have to. But it's no, like they have to though. Hmm? I'm I'm not saying they have to. No, of course they don't have no, to. No, no, mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, we, the public, seems to act like it's the NFL's responsibility rather than this company. Let's be honest. Them taking the slightest interest in social injustice and being willing to put money and time into it is a good thing. That a good step that they did not have to. Them bringing someone to the table from a different perspective because most of these billionaire owners have really no clue what's going on at street level in the world Mm -hmm. is a good thing that they didn't have to. Mm -hmm. But instead we bashed them like this is the government. This is not the government. These aren't the lawmakers who are actually supposed to be dealing with these things. This is a private company that stepped out and said, we're going to try to help. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a little or a lot, why are we bashing this help? I guess people are skeptical of how much they want to help 
how much their desire to help, whether, you know, whether it's come from a place of caring for the people that are making the money, the communities that they come from. Uh, people are skeptical of that. But for me, I'm sitting here and it's like Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick have have both done a lot of good charity work and a lot of good community work to support their cause. Mm-hmm. Jay-Z has as well. It's not like Jay-Z has done nothing. Then all of a sudden he pops up on the social, you know, this is, and this, I don't think that's the point any of us are making. No, but I, I do. I, I think that I think because when people start calling Jay Z a sellout, and then they start talking about, I don't think that's the point you and I are making. Oh, oh, okay, no, okay. But yeah. neither you or I are making that. No, point. no, no. Okay, right, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I mis I misunderstood you on on that one. All I'm saying is it's been less than two weeks. I want to see. I want to see where this plays out. I want to see how this plays out. But yet now I'm sitting here. You sat here. You said yourself and you made a good point. I'm not disputing you now that now that Colin Kaepernick has sued and effectively won his lawsuit against the NFL. Why would they why would they hire him again? Mm-hmm. We're talking about Jay-Z possibly being an owner. I don't know how well that's true, but now you've spent the two weeks since he's announced this deal calling him a sellout. Why would he, he was the one guy on your side? Exactly. He was the one guy who supported you and said, hey, you know what? He has been blackballed. And now he has a he has a seat at the table. And before we've heard anything about this deal, we have sat here and said it's going to be ineffective. He's a sellout. He has, you know, it's not going to work. They're not going to do anything. We've said and and I'm sitting there like it hasn't even been two weeks. We haven't given it a chance for it to work. Let this play out. But at this point, I'm not even sure if it can because we've all decided as a people that it's not going to work. Uh, If you haven't noticed what happens in America in 2019, you pick a side, you decide the other side is going to fail, and then you ride that until until the end. Until the end. No, I understand. I understand. Well, look, man, I know this ain't going to be the last time we talk about this. Uh, nah, definitely not. <laughs> All right, well, look, if you have an opinion on this, hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Twitter, O underscore D underscore discourse. Hey, tell your friends about this podcast. They can download the podcast at any time on SoundCloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on Apple Podcasts. This is best in the world sports. My name is Brown. This is Mike Jones. Uh, man, way to hold us down in the studio. Appreciate you, John. Oh, we gotta get, oh, oh we're going to get together. We're going to get together and we're going to talk. We're going we're gonna to have some fun this season, all right? We're going to talk lots of football. Preseason's almost over. It's almost time for us to talk real football. Uh, man, I'm excited. All right. Well, look, we're going to get on out of here. Thank you for joining us on Offense, Defense, and Discourse. We'll talk to you next week, guys. The preceding was a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network or NBC Sports Radio.